world only left the church. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hey, the church is bigger than hell. Praise God. Amen, amen. Because of the power of God. The power that's in us is greater than the force that's against us. Because he said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And that spirit's in this place tonight. Praise God, praise God. I want you to preach with Brother Stone King tonight as he preaches. Uh, we're going we're gonna to lift up the name of the Lord. We're going to bless God. And uh, we're going to see God do some great things tonight. Let's, let's give uh, the Lord, Brother Stone King, a good hand as he comes tonight. Would you lift your voice to the Lord and would you worship him? Because he is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. What is in this house tonight? Just a moment. I did this session recently in upstate New York in the district function. When I finished at the end, there were district officials who came to me and said, Brother Stone King, Please do that session everywhere you go. There also was an official there from headquarters, and he came and said, Brother Stone King, I want to encourage you to do that session everywhere you go, because our people need help. And so tonight, I'm doing this partially in obedience to their request and elders who are above me, but I'm also doing it because I feel to do it. I felt last week, as I prayed toward this meeting, that somewhere in this particular camp meeting, I would address this situation to you. Sister Freeman, at the end of Sister Freeman's wonderful, wonderful session this morning, Brother Hendricks made this statement in closing. He said, we are not having these services so that we can say we have had a meeting. We are having these services so that you may be free. And I know tonight, I know that there are people here who are hurting. There are people here tonight who are bruised. There are people here who are carrying scars that are not of their own making. There are abused people here. And though all seems well on the surface, underneath there are agonies. And there are days when you're alone that those agonies have a tendency to cast a shadow upon your otherwise brilliantly lighted path. We are Christians in this place tonight. Say Christians. Look at your neighbor and say, I am a Christian. Because of that, our philosophy is not of this world. The rules by which we live are not of this world. They are of God. And if you don't live like that, you are not a Christian. We are not of this world. We don't act like this world. We don't think like this world. We don't dress like this world. We do not run to the same excess of riot that this world runs to. Because we are Christians. And we live by a different set of rules. And with that, I would like you to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. I'm reading tonight from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, the book of creation. In the beginning, the word Genesis means beginning. So from this book of beginnings in the first chapter, there are some revelatory statements made. In Genesis, chapter 1, and verse 27, 
The Bible says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. In verse 2 of chapter 2, the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Say living soul. See, that's what I am. Verse 21 of Genesis chapter 2 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22 says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Verse 23 says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And here's where I want to go in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave, everyone say leave, his father and mother and shall cleave, say cleave, say it again, cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh, say one flesh. I simply want to entitle this tonight, the freedom of forgiveness. Would you lift your hands, your voices and your hearts and would you pray for tremendous godly understanding to come upon you tonight, both emotionally and mentally. Lord Jesus tonight, I pray in this wonderful atmosphere among these blessed people who have shouted and rejoiced, who have wept in your presence, I'm asking tonight that you will, O oh God, perform the miraculous and give us a deliverance that will cause us to be totally changed, that we will leave this place totally changed by the miraculous touch and power of the gospel. I pray tonight that you will anoint these lips of clay and that you will cause me to speak as an oracle of the Lord, that somehow every mind, heart, and soul will suddenly see light at the end of the tunnel, that they will see a way of escape, and that in this cursed and wretched hour in which we live, that our people will be free from the onslaught of wickedness and abominations that exist around us. I pray tonight for anointing both to hear and to speak. We will not fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We ask these things in Jesus' blessed and wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Would you clap uproariously tonight for the Lord? And would you shout with your voice a voice of praise unto the Lord. For this is the building of the tabernacle of David. And we have come to worship him in spirit and in truth. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. You may be seated. But not everyone was involved with that, so we're going to do it again. <laughs> it will make a difference if everybody gets involved. Everybody, everybody, clap your hands, lift your voice to the Lord. See what a difference. See what a tremendous difference when people are in one mind and one accord. I worship you, Jesus, because you are God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the day that ever you called upon us. Thank you for the footfall of the Master in this place. Thank you for the touch of the Master's hand. Thank you for the sound of your voice. Thank you for the brush of angels' wings. Thank you. I worship you tonight because you are God. Hallelujah.
When God created man, he created him with a body, a spirit, and a soul. The Bible says that God took the dust of the earth, shaped in his own image, breathed into it the breath of life. And the breath would be the spirit of God. He breathed into this clay, mud figure, breath. And man became a living soul. So man has a body, a spirit, and a soul. The body of man is the physical structure. The spirit of man is the breath of life. Your consciousness lives there. But your soul is the seat of emotions, will, and intellect. Your emotions are the part of you that make attachments. Your will is the part of you that makes choices. And your intellect is the part of you that does your reasoning. Man became a living soul, a living emotion, a living will, a living intellect. The Bible says he became a living soul. The soul of man is one of the most powerful things that God has ever created. Your soul is one of the most powerful things that God has ever created. Because it is a living emotion. It is a living will. A living intellect that is mobile. I worry about people controlling their souls. Because your soul leaves a print, like a fingerprint, everywhere it goes. You influence others with your soul. I've influenced you here this week with my soul. Because I have influenced you with my emotions, with my will, and with my intellect. I've left a print on you. You affect everyone that comes into your life because your soul leaves a print everywhere it goes. And I worry about people who do not have control of their souls. Because there are things in this present world that affect us. We are living in an absolute cesspool. We are living in one of the most diabolical, perverted hours that man has ever lived in. And we are bombarded with it on every hand. You can't even pick up an ad anymore without sexual overtones in it. It's on billboards. It's in magazines. It's in newspapers. It is everywhere. We are bombarded with the works of the flesh and the sensuality of the flesh. It is rampant in this hour. That's why young people and adults who come to places like this and worship the one true God in spirit and in truth and live it as far as I'm concerned are absolute total heroes. In this hour, if you can say no to all that is out there and come here and not care if some visitor sees you clap or shout or cry or run the aisles, you are a hero against a backdrop of uncomfortable evil. Clap your hands again and worship the Lord. Your God. 
are affected in this hour by the world and the overtones of the world because we are living in it. Fornication comes from the Greek word pornea, which means any sexual sin. Fornication is a broad coverage term for all sexual sins. Sexual sins are a sin against the body because they are done with the body. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And I feel we have a moral problem among us we are not dealing with. We have changed our theology to match our morality. We're allowing things that we should not allow. We are not addressing some things. It used to be that the church was up here and the world was down here. But now the world has gone down here and the church has fallen down here. We need to pull the church all the way back up here. It doesn't matter how far down the world gets. We're not coming down from the position that God has given us and the laws and the dictates of the Word of God. Because our philosophy is not of this world. We are not of this world. We belong to another city, another kingdom. Help us to lift the church to the place where it becomes a light, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid, a candle that the light cannot be covered. What you do, what you do in the flesh, what you do in your body comes into the church. It comes into the body of Christ. I travel all over this world. I go into some churches. I know in the spirit that even though everything looks good on the, on the surface, underneath there is all kinds of immorality going on. You cannot have signs, wonders, and miracles. You cannot have revival and a move of God with all that kind of rock just seething underneath. Because we are not of this world. We are a holy people, a separated people, a clean people. Oh, come on, come on, come on. You know it's true. That's what got us into this. That's what got us out of the world. That's why you left the ballroom. That's why you left the disco. That's why you left the houses of ill repute. That's why you left your sins. Because this is better. This is better than anything you ever had to hold us up there. This is better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Truth will force freedom upon your life, whether you want it or not. The Bible doesn't say. The truth will set you free. It says it will make you free. David said, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The truth will make you free. It makes you free, whether you want it or not. I've seen people come to services like this that came here just to scoff and mock, just to criticize, but the truth got a hold of them and made them free, and they walked out saved and came in only a scoffer and a mocker. They had no intention of getting involved with God, but the truth will make you free. It will, it will make you free. It will break the bars. It will melt the bars. It will cause the walls to crumble. It will open the prison doors in your life. Truth will make you free. How many of you are free here tonight? If you are free, don't you apologize to anybody that's sitting beside you. Don't you apologize to anyone that is near you. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they say. It does not matter. It does not matter.
faith, faith will produce convictions in your life. Convictions in your life will bring safety to your emotional system. It will bring love into your soul. It will bring trust into your life. And you will never have trust in your life unless you take a risk. Everybody you really genuinely love, you are totally vulnerable to them. Because you take the door of caution off your heart and soul. You even unscrew the hinges and throw them away and putty up the holes and sand it out and paint it over. And a person you really love can walk in and out of your life and emotions whenever they want to. Trust will bring joy, peace, and happiness to a human soul. But lying does incredible injury. I cannot deal with people who lie. I give up. The moment someone lies to me, I give up. There is no way to work with an individual if they lie to you. There is no way to work with them because you cannot reason with them. You can't believe anything they say. And once you know there's a lie involved, injury is totally imminent. Because that creates suspicion. You become suspicious of people who lie. You can't really read their minds, so you're suspicious, and that produces fear. And fear produces a kind of panic. And then you struggle with guilt, feelings of guilt and worry. And worry produces anxiety, compulsion, and phobias of all kinds. There are people among us that their nerves are frayed because they're involved with these very things I'm talking about here tonight and don't know how to get loose from them and don't know how to get free from it. The Bible says to flee fornication. People in our generation have convinced themselves that as long as they do not really have an intimate physical sexual relationship, it's all right. So they're trying all kinds of things. Hmm. But the word of God says otherwise. It's not what this world thinks that matters to us. It's not what they teach in the schools. It's not what they propagate and perpetrate. It's what the word of God says that matters to us. It's not what the world says. It's not what philosophers say. It's not what professors in universities say. It's what this book says. Because out of this book, you will be judged at the end of it all. And at this point, I would like to say, a man or a woman who knows the Bible has more power to help people than anyone else in life. A man or woman who knows the word of God has more power to help anyone in life. No one can help them the way we can help them. No one can help them out there the way you can help them, the way I can help them. No one. Unless they know what we know. Sexual sins are most usually consensual. And that means both parties consent to commit. I don't buy all this rape business. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. When you get to the bottom of all of this, you'll find out that most sexual sins are consensual. If you don't really want to be involved, there are ways to stop it. Two fingers will put their eyes out just like that. If you don't really want to be involved, you can stop it. Most people get into it because it is consensual. They consent to commit. Later they change their stories, trying to cover the voice of conscience. Intimate sexual relationships unite two human souls. That is Bible. That is God's plan. Intimate sexual relationships unite two human souls. Two people who are married long enough will begin to look like each other and act like each other because God made it that way.
My mother and father were like that. They began to sort of look alike. They began to sort of act alike. Look at these two right here. Sort of look like brother and sister. They're not. But God joined them years and years and years ago in a master plan. And I have watched young couples. I've married young couples. He was real macho and, you know, just totally on a total masculine kick. And she was real soft and soft-spoken. But once they got married, he softened. And she became more assertive. Why? Because a part of her female soul became a part of his, and a part of his soul became a part of hers. Let me give you some very good advice, you young people. You boys don't marry a wallflower. Don't marry some wallflower that can't do anything, doesn't know how to do anything, because if you get down sick, you want somebody that can at least mow the yard. You understand? And you girls, if you get down sick, you want someone that can at least fry an egg and change a diaper. Otherwise, they are worthless. They are worthless. Worthless. And you may think they're the most beautiful and most handsome thing in the world today, but take a trip and go home with them. Take a good look at their father, because that's what you're marrying in 40 years. Take a good look at the mother. That's what you're marrying in 40 years. <laughs> that's all free. It's not part of the main message. <laughs> Lift your hands and pray for a moment, because something is going to happen here tonight. Something is going to happen. Jesus! I worship you in Jesus' name. The world teaches that sexual relationships do not affect you. It's just two people enjoying each other. But according to God's laws, if you have a sexual relationship with one of the opposite sex, you are married to the individual. Some nations accept that. That's all that's required in some nations. Other nations require a ceremony. We live in a nation that requires a ceremony of marriage in order to make it legally official in this particular culture, in this country. But the truth of the matter is, marriage is consummated in heaven. It is, it is either approved by God or it is not approved by God. Our civil ceremonies have very little to do with the laws of God. When I pastored, I got my young people together, and I had lots of them. I've helped many of them through the years. I got them together, and I said, I want to tell you kids something. I trust you, and I have taught you a Christian view of sex. But if I find out you have crawled in bed with each other, I will press you to get married. Because in the eyes of God, you are married. Don't come to me and tell me, well, the personality's not just quite right, and we don't think we're really meant for each other. It's too late! It's too late! Jesus talked about a wicked and an adulterous generation. This generation we are living in is wallowing in adultery. This generation, our world is wallowing in adultery. And the saddest thing of all is happening for our children in this world outside of the church because they've been stripped of their childhood. They've been stripped of their innocence. When I was growing up, you didn't start to date till you were about 16. It was really true. A girl, when you had her 16th birthday, she was sweet 16 and never been kissed. Now 13-year-olds are giving birth to babies in public schools. And so the innocence has been stripped from our youth. No wonder they're becoming perverted because they have tried the normal so many times and it was unfulfilling that they begin to tamper with the abnormal and the perverted side of it and then they get hooked with spirits because there are devils behind perversion. There are devils behind it. You can't
and experiment with that and get out of it. You've got to get to someone that can get you delivered from it because there are devils behind that. I, I remember... I remember years ago, one Thursday night, I taught a Bible study, a Christian view of sex, and there were a lot of visitors that night in the church. And when the service was over near the end and people were praying at the altar, there was a man in the audience about 35 years old. He came to me, he said, you're Brother Stunking. I said, yes. He said, may I talk to you? I said, certainly. I said, let's step into the hall here outside the sanctuary. So we did. He said, Brother Stunking, these people here that listen to you tonight, they don't understand how on target you really are. I said, what do you mean? He said, I was not raised in the church. He said, I, my life has been a mess. He said, I got mixed up with the gay society. He said, I hated myself for everything I ever did. I despised the actions I carried out. He said, but I was trapped. I could not stop it and I could not help myself. He said, but one night sitting in a gay bar on a stool, he said, a Christian came in off the street carrying a Bible and carried the Bible way out in front of himself so everybody knew it was a Christian, a religious worker. He said, I don't know where he came from or what he was or what he was doing. He said, but he walked straight to me on the bar stool, put his hand on my head and said, in Jesus' name. And he said, Brother Stone King, something lifted from me. Something let go of me. He said, I got up and walked out of that bar. And he said, I never went back again. Say, I've got that kind of power. Say, I've got that kind of power. out there get involved in sexual relationships for the first time in the eyes of God they're married but the next time it's adultery and the next time it's adultery and they are wallowing in adultery they're going around and around in it why can I say this because biblically speaking the words join cleave marriage in the Bible come from the same Hebrew and Greek words that mean to glue or to weld together. So when the Bible says it was the will of man to leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, it meant he would be glued to her or welded to her. Cleave in the Hebrew means to be glued or welded together. Sex is the marriage of two people that become glued or welded together. 1 Corinthians 6.16 6, says, What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Marriage was designed by God to weld two human souls together. To glue them together. What does divorce mean then? The word divorce comes from the same Hebrew and Greek words in the Bible that literally means to tear apart that which has been glued or welded together. But you cannot get a clean break when you tear apart something that has been glued. You cannot get a clean break when you split apart a weld. There are splinters on each piece that has been pulled apart. And here is revelation. Here is understanding that we need. Adultery. People commit adultery. They commit marriage and divorce in the same act. And they walk away with part of that other person's soul attached to them. Your spirit is where God lives. Your soul is the seat of your emotions, your will, and your intellect. Your body is what experiences sleep, hunger, cold, heat, etc. In your heart, the heart of man is the emotional part of man. And in the Hebrew, 
the word heart really means soul. So as a man thinketh in his heart, the Bible says, it really means soul. As he thinketh in his will, in his intellect, in his emotion, so is he. works overtime on some of you. He works overtime on some of you, reminding you, accusing you. But tonight before this is over, I intend to put him on the run for all of you. Forever. Lift your hands and say, in Jesus' name. Say it again, in Jesus' name. Jesus. Your soul, your soul leaves a print everywhere it goes, I reiterate. What you touch becomes a part of you. You leave imprints on everything your life touches. And Proverbs 20 and 27 says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Candle means there the conscience of man. Your conscience is the scout that goes into your soul and body to find out how you're doing. That's why your conscience won't let you get away with things. Your conscience will hunt you until you make it right. When you are born of water and of spirit, you develop a conscience like never before. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your spirit and body belong to God. And you will meet him someday. And you will give an account for your life someday. Because marriage is designed by God to glue or weld two souls together, making of two one flesh. What does divorce do? In divorce you tear apart what has been glued together and you never get a clean break. The next time you try to glue it together, you can't get a good bond. That's why there are young people among us right now in our churches. They get married. In two months, they're ready to get a divorce. Why? Because it's not the first time. They've already been bonded to someone else and they've got splinters. They've got part of that other person's soul attached to them. And there's confusion in this particular union. They never got a clean bond. I have your attention tonight, don't I? How many of you know who Dennis Rodman is? I'm sure that you do. Dennis Rodman was considered the most outstanding student on the Oklahoma University campus. Voted the leading citizen, citizen of the area. But he got mixed up with a woman whose name was Madonna. He broke off with her. His life is absolutely in total turmoil. Because now he has a part of her soul attached to his and he is acting out her nature and her character. It's a tragedy of tragedies and he'll never get loose from it unless he gets a hold of someone like us or someone like us gets a hold of him and we are able by the power of God and the power of the gospel to get him loose and to give him the recipe. Say, God, I'm so thankful. Say, God, I'm so thankful that I know you because you will make a way for me. Worship him again. Jesus. So every time you get involved with someone sexually, you have a part of them clinging to you, glued to you, 
welded to you and you are not the same person you were before. I can look at young people and tell if they've been involved because they've lost an innocence in their countenance. There's an innocence that's gone. You're not the same anymore. When a man has sex with a woman who has had sex with another man, not only does he pick up part of her soul, but he picks up a part of the other man's soul that's attached to her. This becomes the most scary, one of the most diabolical things in existence right now. And then people wonder why they're killing out there and raping and stabbing and shooting. It's because they have been created by a monster spirit into something that is not in the image and likeness of God. They have been reduced to like a beast in the field. And then, and then you criticize us for coming here and shouting and laughing and singing because we are free of all of that. We're not the ones that are crazy. You're the ones that are crazy. We have been delivered. We have been set free. We have been delivered of all of that. And when we lay our head down on a pillow at night, we're not haunted by conscience. And we're not trying to drug out and dope out and drink out the voice of confidence. Of conscience. We are free. 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 For anybody would ever leave this, I'll never know. For anybody would ever walk away from this, I'll never know. And I know, I know that some people come out of families that there's a curse passed down from generation to generation. There are sins that are passed from generation to generation. And that thing will continue until somebody stands up and says, No, it's going to stop with me. Some of you parents, you had parents and ancestors that were wicked, but you don't have to transmit that to your children. You can say, God, this thing is going to stop with me in the name of Jesus by the power of the blood of Jesus. It is not going to be transferred to my children. Because we've got the power inside of us to do it. Because it is written, greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world or the system. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout with a voice. men and women have been at war because each blames the other for what's happened you need to take responsibility for your own actions remember there are boundaries don't invade someone else's territory the only person you can really fix is the person wearing your shoes so you need to get with it and get at it tonight don't blame Aunt so-and-so because she slapped you when you were five years of age. Don't blame some parent because you didn't have all the things, the toys you wanted when you were growing up. That's a bunch of Freudian nonsense. We have flushed out down the commode years ago. You need to take control of your life and be responsible for your own actions. All of us have got a miserable story. All of us have not had a bed of roses. Life is a hassle at best. Stop blaming everybody else. Get a hold of the nape of your neck and say, I'm going to shake myself. I'm going to get my act together because with God I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I will not be like my father. I will not be like my mother. I will not be like my ancestors. I will not be like my relatives. I will be like Jesus. I will
to the scriptures. According to the scriptures, God took out of Adam that which he made Eve. God took out of Adam that portion from which he made Eve. Now Adam, man, is not whole. Something is missing. It is medically and scientifically proven that a man, not a woman, but a man, has two sets of chromosomes in his body, X and Y. But a woman has only one set of chromosomes, X, because that's all that God took out of Adam. And you can see what a dilemma we are in if we disobey the laws of God and go against his concepts and precepts. Perversion, confusion, terror, death, insanity. These things strip the framework of humanity from their dignity and their beauty and their creativity in the presence of Almighty God. Violence. So much violence in this hour. There are violence in marriages. People in the world living together. A baby is crying. He's spaced out in his head with dope and liquor. He doesn't know where she's at. She's drunk on the floor in the other room. He picks up the baby by the heels and smashes the brains out against the wall and then ends up in prison for life or on death row. Tell me that the world is better than the church. Tell me that that is better out there than what you're doing in here. How dare you criticize us for our emotionalism? How dare you criticize us for the way we worship and the way we carry on when we have been set free of all of the terror that is out there? You understand what I'm saying? I got away. I got away. You got away. We got away. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. But in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 16, the Bible says, For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. That means divorce. For one covereth violence. Covereth means marriage. Covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. Covering with a garment was a sign of marriage. Remember the story of Ruth and Boaz? That covering of her with his garment was a marriage, a sign of marriage contract in the making. Violence is equated with adultery in the Bible. Violence is grounds for divorce. It always has been. It still is today. It was in the Bible. Violence is grounds for divorce. It's equated with adultery. I'm talking to you about the laws of God. It's wonderful to shout and run, but I want to tell you something here tonight. It's not how high you shout, it's how you walk after you land. And I'm talking about the walking tonight. I'm talking about the walking. Because we are not of this world. Let's say you were married and your mate left you that departed wife or husband, in spite of a total legal divorce procedure, papers and everything, that departed wife or husband is still attached to you. That's why you still suffer. But how do you get rid of those things? What we're dealing with here tonight is a part of the human soul. How do I get rid of that person? Soul that has been attached to me. The blows of another person's soul upon my life. How do I get rid of that? 
how do I get out of this torture and this torment? When I was a child, I was abused. How do I get out of the memory of the terror of a rape scenario? How? Here's the answer. When you first came to God, how did you approach Him? You approached Him with repentance. You asked God to forgive you. You were baptized. Rebirth does not become complete until you have completed both parts, water and spirit. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost comes from a Greek word, parakletos, which means counselor, legal advisor, expert witness. So when you have spoken with tongues, you've got a counselor inside of you. You've got a legal advisor inside of you. You've got an expert witness inside of you. That's why I take the position, if you really have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you shouldn't go through life asking your pastor and everybody else, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? If you've got the Holy Ghost, he's a counselor, he's an advisor, he's an expert witness. If you ought to know why not. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you ought to know why not. Don't come to them asking all these questions. If you say you've got the Holy Ghost, that Holy Ghost ought to tell you why not. You ought to know why not. Where is the candle of man? Where is your conscience? It takes the whole process to get the blood applied. Confession removes a load of guilt. James said, confess your faults one to another. Let us remember here forever. This business called life. There are no rewind buttons. You cannot back it up and play it or relive it again. What's done is done. It's history. But in the Old Testament, there was a circumcision of the flesh. But in the New Testament, there was circumcision of the heart. The New Testament compares forgiveness and baptism to the circumcision of the heart. The power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. Jesus on the cross, beaten, bloody, his ribs his back, his ribcage, exposed to the elements. Blood pouring from his body, oozing from lacerations in the skull, looking through glassy eyes. Torture and torment that there are no human words, adverbs or adjectives or phraseologies, any kind of sentences to even begin to describe or portray a picture of what went on. As he was dying, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was praying for someone else's forgiveness. Stephen dying, every blow of rocks and stones that hit his already crushed skull with what life he had. He said, lay not this sin to their charge. He was praying for someone else's forgiveness. Forgiveness will never happen until you say, God, don't hold this against them. Forgiveness never happens until you let go of revenge. Revenge never settles anything. There can't be any revenge or the desire of getting even in your heart. Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Forgiveness never happens until you have given up all hope of revenge. It's like going to God and saying, God, take a great big sponge, dip it in your blood, and go to their Lamb's book of life and wash the entire record of what they have done against me. Wash it clean with your blood. Forgive them for what they've done 
to me. And when you get to that point, no matter what's happened to you, and many things have happened to many of you here tonight, no matter what's happened, when you get to that point, when you can say, God, when you can look back and remember a husband who has beaten you, someone who has violated your innocence, if you can look back to that tonight and honestly in your heart say, God, forgive them for what they have done to me. Take the sponge, dip it in your blood, wash their slate clean. The moment you do that, God takes the scalpel of his love. He takes the scalpel of his love and he cuts away the of your life and suddenly all of this agony falls off it suddenly falls in the gutter and you rise out of it clean free of what has happened to you if someone has offended you forgive them it's biblical you have to it's not what it does for them. It's what it does for you. Just because you ask God to forgive someone else's sins against you. Their sins are not forgiven against you till they personally repent. It's not what you have done for them. It's what it has done for you. You've given up all hope of revenge. You've given up all hope. All hope of revenge. And it totally, totally sets you free. They've talked about being free all day, all night. There were several words like that. That's how I knew I was on the right track tonight. They kept talking about freedom. You're going to get free. You're going to be free. They've talked about all day long. This is the kind of freedom here tonight that we don't talk about. These are the kind of things that most preachers don't preach to you about. But the time is now. Somebody has got to address it because our people are suffering and our people are hurting. It's not enough to come here and shout and dance. You've got to have help. You've got to have help. You've got to have an answer. So, so how do I get free? What do I do? How do I get rid of this wrong, this person's soul that has become attached to me? Forgive them for what they have done to you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only way you will ever be whole. You'll never be whole You'll never, ever be whole until you forgive them. Assume the responsibility, even though you did not do it. Jesus did. Stephen did. It is the only way. Can you lift your hands where you are seated right there tonight? And unashamedly, without inhibitions can you reflect back those who are hurting and can you say Jesus forgive them for what they did to me forgive them for what they stole from me can you do it let your voice out at this point, among the people, the members of the family of God, it does not matter if someone overhears. It does not matter because you're in the process of setting yourself totally, totally free. Forgive them. Do not lay this to their charge. Take a sponge, Jesus. Take a sponge. Dip it in your blood. Go to their Lamb's Book of Life and wash their record clean. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Is the Holy Ghost talking to you?
Is God talking to you here tonight? Can you feel the hurt slipping from your soul, from your life? Can you feel that there is hope? Can you see a light at the end of the tunnel of your life? I remove all of the sharp edges of memory. I remove all the sharp edges of memory from your life. I set you free in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That's it, that's it. If you lift both hands to the Lord, God will suddenly flood your soul with light. Light, and you'll never be the same again. You'll never be the same again. Never. Hallelujah. 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 Do you hear the sound of weeping? Do you hear the sound of crying? God has an answer. God has an answer. No matter how vile your life has been, no matter how far down you've gone, tonight, tonight, if you can lift your voice and your hands and you can say, God, forgive them, forgive them, it will set you free. It will set you free. You can help her in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Is there someone beside you weeping? Is there someone beside you tonight weeping? If there is someone beside you weeping, would you reach over and take them by the hand? And would you begin to pray for them right there where you are seated? Right there where you are seated? I feel like if you lay hands on her, something wonderful will happen. Can you take a soul by the hand tonight? Can you pray? I tell you, there's something miraculous happening in this house tonight. There's something miraculous happening in this house tonight. You, you people are leaving here tonight. Many of you are more free than you've ever been in all of your life. Let your voice out. Let your voice out. Just simply let your voice out and cry to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Some of you are transmitting tremendous faith at this moment in the name of Jesus, such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If there are parents here tonight, if there are parents here tonight and you've got children in this audience, you ought to be on your feet. You ought to go to those children. You ought to put your arms around them. You ought to pray in the name of Jesus because something, something powerful will happen for you. There's a bonding in this place tonight. I set you free in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I set you free in the name of Jesus. 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 If you've got it, if something has happened in your soul tonight and you know it's happened, would you stand to your feet? Would you lift your hands and would you let your voice out in praise? Would you let your voice out? Many of you, many of you have come to this camp meeting hurting. But tonight, tonight, there's a way of escape. Because I will forgive. I will forgive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You ministers on the platform, if you feel to go to lay hands on anybody, would you go and minister to them? Because there are people here hurting here tonight who need just the touch of someone's hand. Just the touch of someone's hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many of you are holding each other. I see mothers and sons together. I see parents and children. I see friends. Hold me. Hold me. Hold me, I'm 
Father's arms Father's arms 